Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against the bay. But it's not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast for two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp, back for a fourth season. Oh, wow. Look at us doing numbers. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this is mostly for ourselves at this point. Yeah, that is definitely true. We We can't let ourselves down, you know? Uh, I don't need another thing to talk about in therapy, and I don't need it to be Baywatch-related, you know? Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I would not want to explain Baywatch to a therapist. I did, though. I have explained it to my therapist. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she she fully supports my decision to watch this horrible TV show. (laughs) Uh, Because it brings me some sort of weird, sick happiness. Yeah, well, I mean, sounds like a good therapist, then. She she supports my weird, sick, demented dreams. <laughs> of my weird, sick, demented dreams. Yeah, we're back for season four. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, Morgan. I know. How does it feel to be have recorded? Uh, we've talked about 66 episodes of television. Yeah. Show. It's pretty wild. I When we started, I, I, you know, the plan was always to do all of the show, but... There was definitely a part of me that's like, ah, you know, we'll make it a season or two. But I feel like now that we're in season four, we're we're fully committed at this point. There's <laughs> there's no backing out at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did this to ourselves. <laughs> Some someone told me today, oh, why don't you, Michael, why don't you do a now two one zero? And I said, well, now two one zero. I looked that up. That's half the length of Baywatch. I said, that's chump change. Why, why would we do that when we have the greatest show of all time, Baywatch, right it's here? It's true. It's true. And, and two spinoff shows. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're going to be doing this for years. You know, if we did down to a no, we could be done by this point. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I guess that's why we're still doing Baywatch. It's true. Speaking of Baywatch, this is... Baywatch season four, episode one, Race Against Time, part one. And it was written by Michael Burke and Deborah Schwartz, and it was directed by El Vaquero Gregory J. Bonan, uh, aired September 20th, 1993. Now, so the thing I did not realize about this episode uh, until the end of the episode uh, was that it was a part one. Um, Ah. And so as we got near the end of the episode, I was like, wow, nothing much has happened. And it seems like they're resolving this last bit pretty quick. Oh, it's a yeah. two-parter. Aha. Well, this might be the first two-parter where I've thought maybe they have more than 1.5 episodes of content. Really? I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't seen part two. True. But I, I was like, OK, a lot of setup has happened rather than the normal setup resolution. That's uh, definitely true. You know, because like the last two few two parts we watched, it's like, here's the main plot line. We resulted in part one. Wait, what? Why? It's yeah. harder. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my hope is that there's a lot, but we can never be sure. Now, uh, before we talk about guest stars, I want to share some interesting things about our season four intro. Mm. And that is that uh, Gregory Allen Williams is now listed in the credits which is great. Yes. Love Garner. 
he's amazing. He's he's a great part of this show, you know. Um, now, on the other hand, Kelly Slater is still shown, which is not yes. Um, though I did find some interesting things about him while digging through TV tropes. Oh, and that is, and I quote from TV tropes. Kelly Slater never really wanted to be an actor and only did Baywatch because his manager convinced him it'd be a career boost. Shock. Uh, yeah, all of that 100% checks out. Yep. In a 2014 interview, he revealed that he frequently clashed with the writers over the quality of the scripts, which is one of the reasons he eventually asked to be written out of the show for good. I'm going to be honest, based on his acting, I fear that his problem was that the scripts were too good. Yeah, honestly, this is one of the few times where I'm like, Baywatch is better than you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he has no room to talk in terms of things being bad on this show. <laughs> He's like, oh, you know, the scripts are really horrible. Okay, well, they gave you room to surf, and that's all you can really do. So, yeah, I'm like, whatever. Anyways, uh, let's talk about some guest stars. First off, mm-hmm. Wendy Malick is back. Yes. And uh, I love Wendy Malick. She's great. And luckily, this is also not her last appearance. So we're going to go with her, uh, which I appreciate because I like Gail. I just yeah, think she's a good character. Next up, Sam J. Jones plays Ken Jordan. You may know him best as Flash Gordon in Flash Gordon, which is wild. Uh, oh, like yeah, like the original Flash Gordon show? Yes. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yep. Or maybe you recognize him from Revamped. A show about, or a movie about vampires, where he plays oh. Jake Hardcastle. Uh, Ooh, very it's a good, good vampire detective name. Yeah, I think he's just a vampire though, or something. Oh. Oh. that's a horrible vampire name, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe even better as a name, you may know him from Fist of Honor, where he plays Ooh. a character named Fist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> no clue <laughs> but yeah so he's a boxer who works as a debt collector and gets caught between mafia families and sure his name is fist and uh a vagoda is also in that movie all right somehow and don't worry this actor will be back for thunder in paradise so yeah interesting i actually thought he was pretty good in this no i thought he was good too um you know, I'm not being facetious when I'm like, yay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they just bring back a lot of random Baywatch people for Thunder in Paradise, you know. Gotcha. Right. Like, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Kiki, who was in um, uh, Shattered. Oh, in Shattered? Yeah, she's back oh. Thunder in Paradise, right? So, uh, Right, right. And then they get uh, they get a few people back. And I'm just like, that's a weird choice, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Next up, Suzanne Reed plays Elaine. She has been in a lot of notable things, but I'd like to point out this movie from 1979 called Up From the Deaths about a giant shark-like creature that preys on a Hawaiian tourist community. She plays the main character, but uh, she plays a main character, but the main character is played by an actor named Sam Bottoms, and that makes me laugh. That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and when I said she has been a lot of notable things, that was a typo. I meant to say she hasn't been a lot of notable (laughs) things, so I'm fixing that in my notes right now. Um, (laughs) Next up, Steve Carlson plays Wade Peterson. 
You may know him from things like The Carey Treatment, about at a Boston hospital, Dr. Carey becomes an amateur sleuth to help clear a colleague who's accused of botching an illegal abortion that kills a 15-year-old girl. Wild. Wow. Uh, uh, the poster has a guy slapping someone, and the tagline is, you've never seen a doctor like Dr. Carey. He has a unique way of operating, which also scares me. Yeah, I don't love that. I'm going to be honest. Like, no, I'm all I'm all for creativity in your job and in your field. But um, surgeon is maybe one of the ones where I'd like you to stick a little bit closer to the book, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. And I'm also worried, like, is the unique way of operating like he has a unique way of doing abortions or a unique way? Yeah, I like to envision that um, instead of tools, he just slaps people until they're healthy. (laughs) He just. Oh, I can't. No, I can't make that joke. <laughs> I can't. That's too horrible. Okay. We're moving on. Um, you may. Oh God, I still have to talk about this guy. Steve Carlson. <laughs> or maybe. God, why am I still talking about him? You maybe also know him from Deadlier Than the Male, where British agent Bulldog Drummond is assigned Ooh. to stop a master criminal who uses beautiful women to do his killings. Now. Apparently, this character, Bulldog Drummond, was in a lot of things. There were 24 Bulldog Drummond movies. Okay, I thought the name sounded familiar to me. I never heard of it before. I don't think I've ever seen any, like, piece of property that he's been in, but I feel like I've heard the name. I mean, there's books, uh, there's audio, there's um, lots of material. Hmm. Uh, But then the work stopped right around the 60s. Like, everything just stopped and i looked into this and i think i know why and it's probably because i found a whole lot of paragraphs on wikipedia about how bulldog drummond is quote a chauvinist xenophobic anti-semite oh Um, cool great uh quote although he was seen at the time as simply an upstanding tory who spoke for many of his countrymen after the Second World War, his work was criticized as having fascist overtones, while also displaying the xenophobia and anti-Semitism apparent in some of the writers of the period. Welp. So, uh... Adios, Bulldog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Malachi Pearson plays Jared Peterson. You may, co- you may come to the spooky realization that his voice sounds very familiar, because he is the voice of Sun... In episode three of Hard Time on Planet Earth, where Jesse, an alien exiled to Earth, finds himself in Los Angeles. His only companion is a floating orb-shaped robotic parole officer named Control. What? Sure. Dude, Wait, this- is, is this just Control the video game? No. What? That's not even the plot of Control. <laughs> I know, but I've never actually really played it, so I you wasn't should. totally it's sure. It's very good. Yeah. It's, it's 100% your thing, too. I got up to the first boss fight, and it was too... I don't think it's even a full boss fight, just a mini boss, and it was too hard, so I can't... Oh, yeah, that's the hardest part of the game. Oh. Yeah, no, it took it took me a few tries, too, and then I was like, okay, well, everything else seems a little bit easier now. Okay. Um, you just gotta be a little bit sneaky. Okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll give it another shot. It's so... Once you get past it, it's so worth it. Like, it only... The vibes only get deeper. Um, anyways... <laughs> Doom stay on Earth until Jesse can show compassion. Control helps him lead as normal life as possible, but not knowing earthly ways, Jeff Jesse often finds himself in trouble. Um, but also, actually, he's the voice of Casper 
So that's where spooky oh. realization comes in. Um, he's the main <laughs> voice of Casper and most medium of Casper the Friendly Ghost. Interesting. Um, next up, Jim McMullen plays the uncredited role of Aaron Brody, Matt's dad. Last time we saw this character, it was played by Dirk Benedict from the 80s. Okay, I thought this was a different actor, but I was too lazy to look it up. <laughs> yeah, so this guy has gray hair and is old, while Dirk yes. Benedict has black hair and was not old. Uh, That's what I thought, but also um, my memory is really bad, uh, so I thought I might be misremembering. You say that, but your memory seems to be pretty good when it comes to Baywatch. That is distressingly true. <laughs> I was breaking you. Uh, breaking has already broken. Who can say for sure? <laughs> by the by, the end of this show, you're just going to be in normal conversations and you're just going to be like, Riptide! Riptide! <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be rips on the South Beach! <laughs> <laughs> crab stoppers, crab stoppers. Where are my crab stoppers? Uh, uh, Thorpe, fetch me my crab stoppers. Um, anyways, so they they couldn't get Dirk Benedict back, so they had this guy whose top credit is party guest in Batman and Robin, followed wow. by American UN representative in Austin Powers One. So great job, guys. Uh, now, lastly, we have the biggest star of this episode. Uh, can you guess who this is? Um, I'm without not sure I can. At, I don't remember IMDb. who's left. Okay. Uh, without looking at IMDb, give me one guess. I, I genuinely don't remember what other characters are even in this episode who we haven't talked about. It's the already. little girl at the beginning. Oh! Without looking at INDB, do you know who this person is? Oh, no, absolutely not at all. This is the screen debut, just screen, period, debut, of Michelle Williams. What? Yes. Holy shit! I had no idea. Yeah, I'm sure she's done nothing at all and is not famous whatsoever. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is Michelle Williams. Holy shit! Yeah, this is her first acting role. That's wild. Yeah. I tell you, Baywatch is a trendsetter. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Uh, it's one of these weird things where we just randomly find out that Baywatch was like a jumping point for a lot of people. But it's not like a jumping point where they're like, I was really good on Baywatch. So I went to something else. It was just like, oh, yeah, I did Baywatch. And then I did a bunch of other things right after. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, but that's really cool. I, I assume we'll see more of her, and I assume it will not be uh, at all a sign of her future acting prowess, because <laughs> the script probably won't give her things to do. Yeah. But, uh, that's all I got. Morgan, do you have anything before we get into this episode? Uh, the only other thing I was just curious to briefly talk about, have you been keeping up with Pam and Tommy? Uh, I was on episode five. Yes, yeah, so that is, uh, the latest one just aired about 20 minutes ago, um, which is episode six. Okay. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, I've been really enjoying it. I think overall it's been a lot of fun and it's been interesting to just, you know, get a little bit more background info on Pamela Anderson here. And yeah. I just want to spotlight 
the performance that I personally am already nominating for um, performer of the year in any medium, Mm -hmm. uh, which is and brief spoilers for episode two of Pam and Tommy. If you haven't heard it, I don't know. Jump ahead like 30 seconds. Uh, Jason Manzoukas as Tommy Lee's penis was fucking amazing. It's so good. It's not what I thought you were going to say. (laughs) I thought you were going to say episode three where they got three random white dudes to play Burke, Schwartz and Bonin. But they fucking nailed it. Oh, they absolutely did. Those three were so sleazy and great. I, I was like, these even look like the guys, I think, based on, like, having watched that oh, like, yeah. eat, like documentary or whatever. I'm like, these look exactly like them. And dressed like them. And, like, oh. yeah. They're like, they look right straight out of, like, a Beach Boys Kokomo parody video. <laughs> you know? it, it was perfect. Except for the part where, like, I, I think you'll agree, it didn't make a lot of sense. I so I would be super curious to hear a little bit more about how accurate that whole scene was, because honestly, I could believe in the 90s that despite the fact that Pam Anderson was a big draw of the show, they it was still just so fucking sexist that she was not allowed to get away with anything. I mean, I don't, it could, I, I really don't know. Based yeah. on. Based on looking at Twitter mm-hmm. uh, from some people who have watched Baywatch. Uh, it sounds like they're on airing on the side of, this doesn't sound realistic. But again, I don't know. We're not Pam Anderson. Yeah, totally. No, and you know, the show has definitely taken some amount of liberties with it. Um, though the thing I did find out, which I didn't realize, is that Seth Rogen's character, Rand, uh, did actually appear in a bunch of pornos yes. because his dick was small enough that women were willing to do anal with him. So he was in 69 porn movies. Oh, nice. Uh, (laughs) So really, that was the reason why, because his dick was small enough. Yep. Yeah. No, that thing in the episode was entirely true. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) I I, I don't know if I should like, like, I shouldn't congratulate him. He's a horrible person. He stole a second. Yes. Put it online. But like. Also, congrats, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really like Seth Rogen as as Rand. I think oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great performance. Yeah. And also, uh, something I really appreciated, I think especially as it goes on, is the guy, uh, I think it's Sebastian Shaw, who plays... Uh, uh, Sebastian Stan. Stan, who plays Tommy. He's really good. Oh, yeah. He is incredible. Um, and also, uh, and I can't remember the woman who plays Pamela either. Uh, Lily Allen. Lily, a- not Lily Allen. The Isn't s- it? That's, that's a singer. It's, uh, it's like Lily James or something. Oh, uh, do, 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 uh, hang on, looking her up right now. Um, Lily James, I was right. Okay, Lily James, sorry. Because <laughs> yeah, Lily no, Allen... Lily Allen has also acted in things, but yes, Lily James. L- Lily Allen is 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 the singer who's also married to the sheriff from fucking Stranger Things. Right, um, right, right, right. She's the one who did the song about Alfie Allen who, uh, masturbating too much. I you don't know, think I've heard that. You know who Alfie Allen is? 
Uh, the name sounds familiar. He, so he's on Game of Thrones. He plays um, right. Greyjoy, so Theon. He plays Theon. Yes. But she did a whole song about how her brother just masturbates too much and he can't <laughs> like, achieve anything in life. And the song is called Alfie. Oh, uh, wow. It's fucked up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's all the music video is all her talking to a puppet that looks like her brother who is just <laughs> jerking it in like a small room. And I'm like, God damn, you have some beef with your brother and you need therapy. That's um, very funny. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, I think that's all I really wanted to talk about before we get into this episode here. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, we should also just say I have no idea what season four is really going to bring us. But I am excited. Uh, yeah. And uh, but I uh, also am not excited because we're still watching Baywatch. <laughs> Whoa, that's mean. I like this show sort of. Sometimes. Sometimes I like this show and sometimes it's just a Stockholm setting. And <laughs> speaking of Stockholm syndrome, Morgan, take us to it. Let's do it. We start off on the beach and Hobie is very horny for a girl who is jogging by him. And it it kind of feels like Mitch is, too, which is bad because <laughs> she's clearly like 13. But she the look he gives her is younger than deeply that. upsetting. Um, I mean, he's not he's not like hitting on her, but it feels that way. He's not uh, hitting on her, but he is leering at her quite a bit. He's leering at her because Hobie's leering at her. But then his leering goes too far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, she's having a party over the weekend, and Hobie's not invited, so Mitch mm-hmm. encourages him to talk to her. But Hobie is too anxious. And it's this part's very weird to me, because Mitch stops her, asks her, hey, is your name Bridget? Which, how would he know? Yeah, that was kind of weird. And says, you know my son Hobie? But he doesn't, like, do it as a question. He goes, you know my son Hobie? Mm-hmm. And she responds by shaking her head, no. And my first thought is, how do you not know the kid named Hobie? Right. His especially, name is Hobie. Especially because later in this exchange, Hobie's like, we share a class together. And she's like, oh, right. You're the kid who always has sand in his shoes. Right. How do you, Which, not, how do you not remember the kid who has sand in his shoes whose name is Hobie? Yes. Like, Excellent question. That's that's like, uh, oh, yeah, I went to an American school and there was a kid in my class named Nigel who speaks in a British accent. You know? <laughs> and he also like has like puppets on his desk. Like, yeah, how would you not recognize that dude? <laughs> it's I agree. Um, and but she thinks it's cool. And Hobie mm-hmm. responds with Larry David noises. And I have <laughs> my notes. Uh, it says do a Larry David impression. Uh, so. And that's what he does. Um, Pretty much. But she invites him to the party. And he Mm -hmm. says he'll be there. And Mitch says, all you gotta do is talk to her. And specifically, Bridget says, when you come to my party, make sure to bring sand in your shoes. It'll be a beach party. The sand, it's just, it gets everywhere. (laughs) It's coarse (laughs) and irritating. (laughs) Um... But then I don't know why this time. I mean, that's always <laughs> funny to me. But this time specifically, it's funnier than every other time for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where once you hear, like, when you first hear a joke, it's funny, 
And then when you keep hearing it, it becomes unfunny. And then eventually it rounds the corner and becomes the funniest thing you've ever heard. Um, And I feel like maybe prequel memes are getting to that point. Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree. Star Wars, the Star Wars prequels are like in the slightest bit underrated. Um, Yeah. Exceptionally underrated for humor uh, because they suck. Yes, I would agree (laughs) with that. But after this scene, we get just a music video um, where we highlight all of our main cast members and do weird overlays of beach activities. Um, And in my version, I get Wheels in Motion by Jimmy Barnes, which is a rock song from the 90s that sounds very 80s. That's funny, because that's what you get in the original version, too. Interesting. So I wonder if I saw the original because the other song in this is also a fairly well-known song yes. from that time period. Yes. So, OK, well, cool. We'll talk about both of them. But uh, I have some notes on Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's apparently extremely successful in Australia. He Interesting. The lead vocalist of a pub rock band called Cold Chisel. Uh, sure. Cool name, dude. Uh, yeah. Guy has 19 solo albums. Wow. His highest charting single was Good Times with NXS from the Lost Boys soundtrack. But All right. I have a quote for you from Wikipedia. Okay. The combination of 14 Australian top 40 albums for Cold Chisel and 13 charting solo albums, including 17 number ones, gives Jimmy Barnes the highest number of hit albums of any Australian or international artist in the Australian music market ever. Wow. So, yeah, I guess he has he's the most successful Australian music artist ever. Not really, because ACDC exists and the Wiggles. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. And and Men Down Under. Or, no, um... Men at Work. Men at Work, yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You're combining the song Down Under. Yes. Which I like (laughs) the idea of Men Down Under. (laughs) That would be our our parody band name. Yes. Uh, um, I didn't hate the song. No, it was a good song. It's catchy. But what I get is uh, Another Day in Paradise by Sherry Short and Crash Cove. Again, our favorite Crash Team Racing track. (laughs) Uh, Funny enough, the Amazon subtitles do say Wheel in Motion starts playing, but it's not that. Oh. This song is kind of bluesy, but also a a whole lot of nothing as far as charisma goes. Morgan, with that description in mind, would you please perform for us this song? Sure. Looking out. Over the people. The sun is shining so bright. Did someone turn the heat up? Cause it's getting so wild. Take my hand, yeah, here we go. Yeah, we're chasing blue skies. Moving fast is all that we know. So come along for the ride. Ooh, ooh, I'm coming for ya. Ooh, ooh, just another day in paradise. It sure feels nice. Just another day in paradise. That's just what I like. There's no need to get crazy. I'll be here by your side. When I call for you, baby, just put your hand in mine. We're here to love one another. You give me peace of mind. Let's wrap our arms around each other. It's a beautiful life. Ooh, ooh. 
ooh, I'm coming for ya. Ooh, ooh, just another day in paradise. It sure feels nice. Just another day in paradise. That's just what I like. Oh my God, Morgan, that was beautiful. <laughs> Two things about that. One, that mm-hmm. was better than the actual performance in the song. So great. Wow. Thank you, um, thank you. Because they had no charisma, and you have all the charisma. Uh, <laughs> and two, I love how every time you say ooh ooh, the uh, Discord uh, glitches out for a second. So I just hear, <gasps> and then <laughs> um, it's very funny uh, to me each time yeah. that happens. But great job, Morgan. Great job. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, this it's an absolute space filler of a montage. Um, it's like basically all of them the are, cards. but yeah, all the lifeguards are doing th- stuff, you know? Yes. Yeah. Just kind of reintroducing you to the concept of the show because it's a new season, which is like, how do why, why would we need a reintroduction to lifeguards? This whole show. Right. Everyone knows this show is about lifeguards. Yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. Maybe they think we're dumb. Maybe is I, I feel like this show is meant to be like, hey, if you don't know what these guys do in in episode one, well, you'll know in episode two. And if you don't know in episode two, you'll know in episode three. And it's just mm-hmm. like that con- consecutively. Yeah. I mean, one could argue that if someone is watching every single episode of Baywatch by the time they get to season four, maybe they are a little bit dumb. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I do feel a little bit dumb, yeah. Um, but after this long montage, we see Mitch at his tower, and Stephanie drops by, and Mitch explains that he's having some real feelings for Gail, who is coming to dinner with a surprise. Um, and Stephanie thinks that they should just get back together already, and Mitch says that Hobie would like that. Um, and then Stephanie's like, I'll come to dinner if you want as backup. Mitch is like, my life is complicated enough already. Um, so, so then he leaves. A few things about this scene. One, mm-hmm. uh, he specifically talks about how with Gail, part of the issue is whenever she calls, it's to talk about Hobie. And then it's very non-personal. And then he thinks about something they did and he feels something for her. And that's I mean, that's a very normal thing to feel. Sure. Um, you know, but um, were you getting the vibe that Stephanie was flirting? Oh, definitely. Because, and I'd like to do an impression here. Uh, she <laughs> does this in the best horny cop voice possible. Uh, <laughs> I can back you up tonight if you want. Uh, and then he laughed at her. And then she says, don't say I didn't offer, which is like, okay, one, she's flirting, too. What the what what happened to Kay? And yeah. last season had a whole episode where, like, he was like, I don't want Kano from Mortal Kombat to date Kay. I'm going to make out with her <laughs> in front of a fire. And now she's, like, nowhere. And it's like, Stephanie is flirting with him again. It's all very weird. And, like, yeah, their relationship is weird and complicated. So that's accurate. But, like, it's yeah. still weird. <laughs> No, I agree. Uh, TV shows don't normally write relationships. Like, TV shows tend to write relationships that are very easy to understand. And if they're not easy to understand, it's mostly just like, okay, do they like each other? Do they not like each other? Right. TV shows tend to not write relationships 
that are as realistically complicated and confusing as this one is, where yeah. it's like, are we flirting? And it's not intentional on their part. It's just they're bad at writing. <laughs> but, like, life is bad at writing. So I guess in that regard, good job, Baywatch. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, once in a while they have some redeeming qualities. They stumble onto luck. <laughs> um, let's see. After this, uh, we get a scene where Matt's dad has come to the beach to tell him that his mom is mad at him that he's not moving to France with them. Or as it says in my notes, that he's not moving to French. <laughs> It's not that funny, but it's still funny. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a nothing scene other than setting up what's going to be a plot in this two-parter. And yeah, we, we've recast his dad and I don't know. He's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's kind of nothing for him to do. No. So it's, it's I mean, it's mostly a scene just it, it's setting up Matt's story of like, dad, you don't love me. And uh, he's like, no, I do love you. That's why I want you to come with me to France. Or otherwise, you'll be cut off from everything. And it's like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Do I care? Eh. Exactly. Like, there's never any real worry that he's actually going to leave the show this season. So. Right. Um, but yeah, after this, uh, we see. But, but, but Morgan. Mm-hmm. He might not leave the show this season, but he might become poor this season. And that's that's true. worse than being poor, am I right? Uh, yeah, it's sure true. <laughs> but after this, uh, Gail calls Mitch from the plane to tell him that he actually doesn't need to pick her up from the airport. She'll meet them at the house at five. Um, and it's a very tight close-up to avoid giving away her surprise, which she isn't going to tell Mitch. But then we pan out, and it's that she's dating a very rich businessman who has a private jet, and they're in love. I, Gail in the private jet, that is. And yeah. also Gail in, uh, what's his name, Ken. Yeah, I, uh, I did take a screenshot of this. Uh, Ooh. And I sent it to Andrew, and I said, Andrew, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> and he immediately knew and told me it's a Cessna Citation Mustang. Um, All right. Uh, and it's funny that it's called a Mustang. I just think yes. that's very funny. Uh, oh, it's not. It can't be a Citation Mustang. He's very wrong. Because Ooh. Citation Mustang's first flight was 2005. And this is 1993. Um, but ah. probably similar. Um, and I will tell him and he'll feel bad about this. And uh, then I'll apologize. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> They do a lot of, and I have some more plane talk later. They talk about some plane types, and I'm a little bit suspicious. Uh, Yeah. But uh, this, yeah, this is our introduction to Ken, and he seems all right right now. But there's also this scene was weird because it's like the, the, Gail is always viewed as like the mom figure and never as like, ooh, sensual. Uh, (laughs) And this scene is just like, let me get up on this couch and uh, snuggle up on you. Maybe give you a little uh, kiss, kiss. And I'm like, whoa, don't make her sexy. What? Mom's can't be sexy. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, let's see. After this, um, 
we meet two new characters, Jared and Wade. And Jared is Wade's son, and they're on the beach. And business is too busy, so Wade is busy at his business factory. Um, and he just can't pay attention to his son. He has a cell phone. Can you believe it? This Whoa. is a real businessman. <laughs> And then uh, Jared is like, weren't you going to watch me play in the waves? And Wade is like, there's too much business on the business phone. I can't do anything but business right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I just find 90s businessman stereotypes to be very funny. It's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> Especially because he's like on the beach, like writing. And it's, it's too windy to actually write anything. So he's yeah. a life beater just writing is like, got to keep writing these things. And I'm like, what are you writing? Like, do, yeah. do you just and then, know off the top of your, are you just doing math? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Someone calls him on his business phone and is like, Listen, the suppliers are breaking contract unless we make it work for them by 5 p.m. And it's all just it's very silly. Yeah. He says something like, can't you get them like the T-1000? And they're like, no, we don't have any T-1000. <laughs> God damn it, man. <laughs> Skynet shut them all down already. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, of but, course, Jarrett says, I'll be back. <laughs> and then he runs off into the waves and what's that it looks like someone is starting to drown um so mitch and the whole baywatch crew has to go rescue him but by, they can't find him anywhere by whole baywatch crew you're not exaggerating i count it oh yeah so there's mitch summer comes up in a car to grab matt cj starts running then Newbie joins. Then there's mm -hmm. a Scarab that has two people. And then two more cars with five additional people. And then yeah. another two cars later. So this is all for one preteen boy. That's yes. at least 14 people. Yes. Uh, well, there's 12 that I counted and then two extra cars. So two at least potentially in each. So maybe that's like an 16 people. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I get... I get, yeah, you're all going to dive and then form a line and watch him. But sure. 16 people, man. Right. What about it, it, someone else drowning? Exactly. It kind of makes me wonder, like, is the rest of the beach just a fucking Wild West right now? Like, are there just no other lifeguards especially, on duty right now? Especially because we see it's just that section of the beach. There's a yeah. jetty and then another part of the beach that's completely usable. So I'm like, who's watching yeah. that? Because yeah. Baywatch has to run. Like, it... it I don't see it as just like there's the jetty. Well, that that's someone else's jurisdiction. That's like Zuma right. or something. Like that's got to be their whole jurisdiction because they have twenty something towers, you know. Right? Totally. So, like, this makes no sense. Legit. No, I agree. Speaking of the jetty, uh, we do learn at this point that Jared didn't drown at all. He was hiding behind the jetty, and so Mitch and Wade are on Mitch's tower with Jared. And both of them are yelling at Jared for this. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. So he's hiding there behind the rocks on the jetty. And yes. first we see Hobie running up. So we see this on this other side of this jetty. There are surfers. And again, to contrast, the side that Jared, in quotes, drowned on is evacuated. But the other side, perfectly fine, because he couldn't have drifted or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, um, who knows? Hobie just walks up right behind him and then is walking along the beach. Right. Comes up to see his dad. And uh, and Wade, Jared's dad, is like, my son, my son. And uh, Mitch says, what does he look like? What was he doing? Yada, yada. Well, describe him. He describes him. And Hobie goes, oh, yeah, I just saw that kid. And he points at him. And there's <laughs> Jared prairie dogging right by <laughs> That's probably not the accurate term. But he's yeah. going up and down. He's prairie dogging. Uh, mm-hmm. As we as we hear jazz guitar playing, which is very yes. weird. Um, and they're just pointing at him. They run at him. And he doesn't do anything like run or hide. He's just like, let me get higher up so they can definitely see that it's me. <laughs> and then they take him to the tower and tell him he did a bad thing. Yeah. And uh, tell yeah. us. Tell us about that. Absolutely, yeah. So Mitch and Mitch and Wade are just laying into this kid, and he's like, "I did it because you won't pay attention to me, Wade. You're too busy with your business. The business phone never stops ringing, Wade. Um, and so I thought maybe if I was dead, you would care about me." Um, and Wade looks like mildly sad about this. Yeah. Um, so then Wade and Jared start to leave, um, and then Matt gives Wade a little mini lecture about how um, he should pay more attention to his son because otherwise you'll end up like your son will end up like me, a very attractive lifeguard who you've never met before. Um, <laughs> this, and, this whole this whole speech is so unwarranted, like. He it's already so knows, weird. Matt. Like, his son just yeah. pretended to die because I don't love him enough. Like, I think he gets it. <laughs> yeah, and Wade, Wade just puts his shoulder on Matt's, or puts his hand on Matt's shoulder, just kind of goes, okay, kid, G- good Thanks. story. Nice Thanks. talk. It's, it's, like, nice talk, but also, like, the whole time he's, like, giving him the time of day while Matt is crying. And I yeah. can't think of anything I would want to do as probably, like, a mid-40s, <laughs> in my 40s businessman who's all about the business. Mm-hmm. Listening to an 18-year-old boy who's like, my dad doesn't love me. It's like, okay, yeah, like, look, I get it. I yeah. had this whole thing happen, but who are you? I don't care. Yeah, it's business very dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um... But then uh, Summer and her mom are on the beach, and uh oh, her mom wants to talk, and that never ends well, as Summer tells us. Um, she wants to move back to Pittsburgh because she has a job lined up there with her uncle, but Summer doesn't want to go because what about her job? Um, and they talk about how the the beach hut, the beach pit. What the fuck was the beach name hut. of the restaurant? Beach, beach hut. hut. Um, has shut down recently, and it's a shame because it used to have such good food. Um, but then Summer has to go help someone. So Immediately. her mom... It was so funny because oh, the way yeah. it works is, is like, uh, Summer goes, what am I supposed to do with my job if we move back to Pittsburgh? Hold on a second, someone's drowning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly timed like that. I'm like, this show has no sense of class. I mean, yeah. yeah. But also... Uh, um, I think what they really should have done is uh, taken the beach, like spoilers, they should have taken mm-hmm. the beach hut, reopened it, but made it a Hulk Hogan's Postamania, brother. Oh, uh, yes. That would have been beautiful. And then you could tie it into Thunder and Paradise, and he can come to the beach and be like, what is this restaurant? I love pasta. <laughs> <laughs> brother, bro, brother. Uh, that would have been awesome. 
That, that would have been, been as the good. kids say, based. Yes. <laughs> um, but while uh, Summer is rescuing a man who is kneeling in the sand and coughing a little bit, um, her mom takes this opportunity to go check out the restaurant on the beach. And what's that? The building is for lease. Well, I don't, um, know, we don't know. And that's yeah. what she's doing. She could be trying to, you know, also start a new political regime. Right. She could, she could to, be like do like a fallout two or fallout New Vegas. Try and start a like new California after the nuke settle. Yeah. yeah. She could yeah. be doing that or she could be trying to look at the lease. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. It's just truly impossible to tell in this show. You know, there's just they set up so many plot threads that, you know, they haven't resolved any of them yet. But I am confident that come season 11, we're going to get a J.J. Abrams level of uh, plot resolution here. This show is just one galaxy, giant galaxy brain thought Mm -hmm. to TV, you know. Absolutely. I did actually get some spoilers for the uh, uh, reunion movie. And let me tell you, that thing's fucking wild and... um, all right. The show does not know what it's doing. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited. Well, we got we got um a few years. We got seven <laughs> seasons plus two spin-off shows to go. Hmm. Uh and then we'll have to think about what to do next with our lives. So, you know. Yeah. Um because we can't just stop here cuz that would be painful. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Next up, we see Matt out riding on some rocks by the ocean. Like a himbo. Exactly. And Stephanie is wandering by and decides to come hang out with him and tells him that this is her favorite time of day when all the people have gone home and the beach is just ours. Um, Which is weird because he gives off major I want to be left alone vibes. He really does. Um... But he is trying to figure out what to do when his parents move to France, whether or not he wants to go with them or stay here. And Stephanie comes and comforts him a little bit. And she's like, what are you writing? And he's like, it's poetry. Oh, or maybe song lyrics. Can I can I I have the lyrics? Oh, please. Morgan, please. Could you please read this? Sure. Um, for me. The day was moving westward, leaving colors in the sky. The eastern black was chasing, moving colors that had died. The day was racing quickly, but could not outrun the night, and I rode along the seashore to the caverns of delight. Now, thank you. Now, on an unrelated note, you please <laughs> also read this poem. Okay. The day was moving westward, leaving colors in the sky. The eastern block was chasing, holding colors that had died. The day was racing quickly, but could not outrun the night. And I rode along the seashore to the caverns of delight. Those those sound very similar, don't they? They sure do. Do you know why? I'm going to guess that they're the same poem. Yes, but do you know why? I don't. Because the second one is the poem that Ian, the man with the metal detector who Woo Shawnee wrote in season two, episode 19. Oh, shit. The, I just thought same, it sounded familiar. It's the same poem. It's the same fucking what poem. What the fuck? <laughs> it's <just> so lazy. <laughs> like, I, I thought about this and I was like, Caverns of Delight, that sounds familiar. It because really our, did. 
be, and so yeah, it's just the exact same poem that Ian wrote. Oh my God. in the Lost Treasure Tower Twelve, but this time uh, Matt says there aren't any caverns of the light. Um, which yes. is also a weird thing to say to your female coworker. I don't know. Um, <laughs> when your female coworker is like every scene that Stephanie is in in this episode feels oddly like she's flirting with every other person. Like not oh definitely intentionally, but also just the way Alexandra Paul is acting. Yeah, um, it makes it even weirder. When it's this whole poem that makes it sounds like the caverns of delight is just your vagina, you know? It, uh, it absolutely sounded like that, yes. And it's also very weird to be like, yeah, oh, Shawnee, you are the caverns of delight. And then him being like, oh, the caverns of delight. I am sad because of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like none of this yeah. poem, none of this poem relates to. Well, my dad is moving back to France, and he wants yeah. It's like, wow, I just am really horny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so... Well, it, and it makes sense, given the next montage, a little bit. It sure does. But, like, this fucking poem, it's also horrible. Uh, I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, it's not great, um, but that is extremely fucking funny, that it's just reused from season two. It's so funny. I the whole time he was reading it, I was like, "This sounds familiar," and I was thinking about googling it, but I was like, "Nah, I bet Michael will have it, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be more Thank fun you. if I don't know what it is from on the podcast." Um, but okay, that explains why it sounded familiar. Yeah. Oh. Um. Speaking of but familiar. Yes. <laughs> After this, the next, scene, the next scene. Yeah, the next scene. Matt's out on his motorcycle to do some thinking. Where while the theme song from Ally McBeal plays, yep. a show that I have never seen before and only know that it's the same theme song uh, because I looked it up on Wikipedia. I've I've seen two episodes, and one episode was one where uh, you know who Josh Groban is. Yes, I do. Josh Groban is in an episode where he's just like, I'm a frumpy, tall man, but I have a beautiful voice. And Ally McBeal's like, helps him at like a prom realize, like, he's like, I may be frumpy and not that attractive and not that popular and not have anything going for me, but I do have a great voice. And then people are like, wow, I want to bang that guy. Uh, <laughs> that's the plot of that episode. And it's him singing that You Raise Me Up song, you know, that's oh, like, overdone to. To all hell. But yeah, I'm mm -hmm. I'm also going to be honest until I was looking this up on Wikipedia and found out that this was the theme song to Ally McBeal. I thought Ally McBeal was a kid's show. Um, oh, really? No, I don't know why. Um, it has but I, one of those names. I, I felt like it was like an improv teenagers doing skits kid show. Oh, well, that's. Hmm. I, I, mean, I don't know why it's 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 got that sort of like. Okay, here's weird Mike. How how Michael's brain works? <laughs> it's one of those names where it's just like you think like Allison Mack, for example. Not a show, a very much a very bad person, um, <laughs> but like one of those names you're just like that seems very kid like Allison Mack, Ally yeah. McBeal. It's yeah. very it's very these like weird '90s teenage kind of names. You're like no one who's an adult is named that. They're just teenagers. Right. Mm -hmm. They never grow up. And that's what Ally McBeal feels like. But nope, it's just a very 90s adult name. Now, <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, 
that this this song did get really famous when that show started, but that was five years after this. Yes. So this was just again a Baywatch trendsetter. Yeah. Right. Um, now, yeah. My version. Oh mm-hmm. boy, I get "Free Rider" by Melissa Smith. Now, as far as I can tell, Melissa Smith is also known as Melissa. Mm, ooh, a Molinor? Don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, AKA, that's her stage name, AKA a contestant on the hit one season only 2007 reality TV show, Pussycat Dolls Present the Search for the Next Doll. Truly the lowest huh. low as far as reality TV shows go. Uh, yeah. She also co starred with Dolph Lundgren in the 2009 straight to DVD film Command Performance. Now, here's some quotes I found about this movie. Apparently, right. Dolph Lundgren wanted to use his drumming skills on screen. And sure. the story was inspired, the story of the movie was inspired by a concert Madonna did for Vladimir Putin. Uh, why? Sure. Mind you, we're recording this uh, right now. Uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine. So this. Uh huh. Now the story is when the Russian premier is taken hostage at a rock concert in Moscow, it's up to a drummer and ex and and uh, it's, ooh, it's up to a drummer, also an ex biker, to save him. Anyways, sure. This song is a a sappy country song. Um. um. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the song, I do want to real quick refute the idea that that's the worst reality TV show of all time um, and briefly just mention the show Kid Nation, yes. Um, yes. which, if you are not aware, every single episode is now up on YouTube in full. It is? Um, <sighs> I have not watched it, but I checked a couple days ago and it was there. So You know the premise, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. For for listeners who may not be aware, uh, would you like to give us a brief rundown of the show, Michael? Oh, no, please. You do it. Uh, so Kid Nation uh, was a reality show in like 2005, I think, somewhere okay. around there, um, where the producers thought, um, wouldn't it be interesting if we allowed kids to build a society from scratch? <laughs> Now, this doesn't sound like a terrible idea yet, um, except for the part that what they did was drop off like 20 kids from the ages of 9 to 15 in a ghost town in the middle of New Mexico, I believe, or Texas, mm-hmm. um, and basically just leave them to fend for themselves uh, and also put them through a bunch of really strenuous like uh, competitions and uh, multiple kids had to be like airlifted to the hospital, um, and yeah, just generally a huge fucking mistake. Do you, do you know about their bathroom situation? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, they had a single outhouse, oh, and God. they all unisex had to share it, and they mm-hmm. were told at one point, "Okay, guys, we can either give you a second bathroom or a TV." And they all said, TV, TV, TV. <laughs> and they got the TV. And then all of them realized, oh, no, we still only have one bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, as much as, you know, it's like, uh, fuck JonTron. Uh, JonTron has a, a great video where he also got to interview one of the guys who was on. Campus. Oh, wow. Like, and be like, tell us about that being on this show, because this is so wild. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kid Nation is horrible. 
Also bringing mm-hmm. up other horrible TV shows that I think are all on YouTube, or at least are all on the internet. Uh, have I mentioned I Want to Marry Harry before? Yes, that's the one where they try and convince a bunch of women that a man is Prince Harry. A bunch of American women. Yes. Uh, that uh, And that is, oh boy. Um, let me tell you, I have sustained two uh, like flirty relationships with, with women where I was like going on dates with them based on the fact that we were watching I Want to Marry Harry together. And they were wow. like, we got to keep talking because no one else will ever watch this TV show but us. No, yeah. Like, yes, that is why I'm going to watch this for the third time. Because um, <laughs> uh, I, I suggested it offhand and people are like, well, this sounds really dumb. I want to see what's up with it. And they're like, this is so dumb. It's yeah. the dumbest show other than Kids Nation ever. I mean, there's other dumb shows, but wow. Wow. Um, yeah. But you know what they aren't, Morgan? What? Free writers, unlike this song. All right. Uh, which I'm going to uh, give you the lyrics to. And remember, remember, sappy country. I've been walking down this line for so long, and I've been wrong. I've been going down this road, and I know it will carry me home. I know it's time to go where my heart wants me to go. I know it's time, and I've got to go alone, because I'm a free rider, and now I have no fear. Been searching my whole life to feel like I feel here. Every day I'm breaking chains that hold me down. I can't go back in time, even if I wanted to change things now. I know it's time to go where my heart wants me to go. I know it's time, and I've got to go alone. Cause I'm a free rider, and now I have no fear. Been searching my whole life to feel like I feel here and I know I can be myself and now I feel alive cause I'm a free rider cause I'm a free rider beautiful bravissima <laughs> wow Thank you. that Thank was amazing you um, but yes not doing yourself thank you thank you um I the secret is uh beer um Oh, wow. I've never had one. <laughs> I, I should try one of those. It's it's an interesting experience, let me tell you. Um, is, it, is it like, um, <laughs> is it like uh, grapefruit juice? Um, more like bread. Mm. Just just like good, a, good liquid bread. Like, uh, like sourdough or mm. rye? I would say more like... Um, like there's a new line of um, everything English muffins from Thomas. Um, what is Thomas? And while beer does not taste like that at all, uh, they're both good. What is Thomas? Like the brand of English muffins. They they come in the rectangular box with six of them. They're the the, the what you think of when you think of an English muffin container. At least what I think of. I don't even think of an English muffin container. I think of a like a a bakery. Huh. Or like a restaurant. I don't know. Well, uh, 
post a picture in here of what you're talking about. I'm uh, doing that right now. I will have one of those in a second. I feel like it's like very. Um, Maybe I know, and I just iconic. I'm not picturing it. Yeah, could be. Uh, let's see. It is do 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 do. Um, these bad boys. What is this? Really? I've never seen this packaging before. Huh. The original nooks and crannies? Yeah. What do you mean? And well, why is that's... What? That's what you want from an English muffin. It's like you want a lot of nooks and crannies for the butter or whatever to sleep, Maybe I just seep don't into. Have English muffins ever. That's fair. I eat them a lot. I really like them. I mean, I should. Uh, honestly, I'll... You know what I'm going to do, uh, and I know what? the person who's who suggested this to me is never going to listen to this. But bad. <laughs> um, so I have a friend over in Amsterdam. Do you know what Capsalon is? No, I don't think I do. Uh, here's a GIF uh, of what Capsalon is. Uh, let Ooh. me describe to you Capsalon. It's just like insanely caloric. So let's let's get a, a capsulon recipe here. Okay. It is Oh, that's too complicated for me to read on a podcast. <laughs> uh okay, well basically basically what it is, it's like um it's a layer of french fries placed into a a tray topped with gyro meat covered with slices of gouda cheese and then heated melts along with some like vegetables. Right, so I see one that says lettuce, cucumber, tomato, red onion, garlic, and then they use uh, oh, hell yeah. all sauce, which is like red chili, and some people use garlic, and then they use cumin, uh, cumin, turmeric, paprika, cayenne pepper, uh, or cayenne pepper, and oregano. Um, I mean, that sounds fucking delicious, and I, I do want to eat it. But it's just like the most caloric thing uh, possible is yeah. Is to make this, th- but I want to try it. I want to make it because it just sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, capsulon. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember why I really got this, but other than that, uh, I guess I need to eat more English muffins because yeah. I don't know anything about this Thomas or his ilk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to get back to the episode, um, this whole montage is just him out riding, Matt out riding his motorcycle, and uh, he winks at some hot babes and then salutes them. Um, it's very oddly patriotic. In a it's very weird. Way. Yeah, like, I won't. I won't move to France. They don't have babes there. <laughs> yeah, famously the French are unattractive. Yeah, uh, all, all the French are <laughs> ugly. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is an anti-France podcast. Um, <laughs> so it'll be the first time I feel like we've said that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we're just anti-Europe, you know. Um, I guess so. Hey, uh, Germans who listen to this podcast, we're anti-you. Why? Uh, shaking my fist, that's why. <laughs> I have no reason. Ah, It's because I don't currently have a pretzel and obatza in front of me. Is that a, is that a German thing? Yes, it's um, it's a German cheese dip that is fucking delicious. Oh, that's what that... No, I was talking about pretzels. Oh, I know, yes. I know that they are. I mean, I've, I've been to a <laughs> bar before, I know. 
Um, but Obatsa, uh, but please, please good. listen. To, Eat please it. listen to us still. We love you, Germany. Yes. Um, it's anyways. Um, yes. After this, uh, we see that Mitch and Hobie are at home waiting for Gail, and they're dressed in matching outfits. But Hobie <laughs> is a much more modern style, and by modern, I mean 2022, because he's got the it buttoned all the way up to the collar. Well, Mitch has like two buttons from the top undone. This is. I I'd, I'd like to think that they wanted to make it cute, but it's yeah. actually very disgusting. It's kind of weird. It's extreme. Can you imagine if your dad showed up when the same? I know. Look, I know you, Morgan. You're a little bit of a, a collared shirt connoisseur. Uh, That's true. That's I true. I hate collared shirts. Uh, <laughs> but you're but now imagine if your dad showed up. I was wearing the same collared shirt as you, but just decided, let me unbutton a few few buttons here so I can get some of the, the chest hair out. Um, <laughs> and then you button up all the way, and then you were going to meet somebody. Mm-hmm. They would just look at you and say, maybe not, and leave. Yeah, it would be a little weird. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently Gail finds it endearing. Because when she comes in, she says they both look great. Um, and she could be lying. Yeah, I mean, probably. But as she is saying hi to the two of them, Ken Jordan decides that uh, he is done waiting in the car. So the cat's out of the bag. They're engaged. And what's that? They're getting married this weekend in it's Acapulco. Super love is blind energy here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We, uh, we were totally. talking about the, the Netflix reality show Love is Blind, which Morgan and I were talking about before we started the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, just major that vibes. Yes. Um, which also in Mexico. Um, oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, but after this, uh, we see. Wait, side, and- side point. Side point. Mm-hmm. Just going to talk about Love is Blind again for a second there. Sure. That's the weirdest part of that show, right? The Mexico part. Because they're yeah. just there and like in an empty resort at an empty resort. And they got these rooms and there's nothing about these resorts that make it feel like it's actually supposed to be a good time. Yeah, um, like, I, I know. Like they go on like, oh, we, <laughs> I know no way to say this other than water sports, um, <laughs> but it's not water sports. <laughs> they go and they do some waters, though. Actually, uh, I feel like Shane and Natalie did do some water sports. Um, probably. probably. They cannot stop talking how much about how much they love fucking each other. They um, absolutely cannot. Um, they are having a great time and power to them. However, yeah. less power to all the water sports that <laughs> are happening. And it's just like so you you prefer unpowered water sports is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I prefer it when there's not a big stream coming at me. Yet. <laughs> you know, you I don't re- want you don't want to like motorized super soaker full of pee. No, what you're saying I want the analog non. No, I don't want the like automatic digital version. You know, <laughs> I don't want it to just shoot at me like an auto crossbow. You want to you want to have to really pump for that stream of pee. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even want it to be semi-automatic. I want oh, no. manual. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so they're just doing all these stuff on the water. And uh, it's uh, boring as shit. 
And I yeah. can't also imagine that you'd be like, I can sustain like six days of this, but I also right. don't like the beach and I don't like hot weather. And I can't yeah. imagine the idea of being with someone who I've only known for like two weeks. And this is the second time I've ever seen them and being like, yeah, this seems like a great time because right? that's just is, is like. That's prone for you to just get in all the worst arguments ever, which they totally. all do, um, mm-hmm. of course. So then they get to living with each other, and all of a sudden, the relationships seem a lot better. Uh, yeah. Because it's, well, spoilers, uh, because it's like, oh, wow, now you actually are around each other in a real person environment instead of a hot, deserted yeah. ghost town. <laughs> Where the producers are encouraging you to get as drunk and stay as drunk as possible. Oh, well, no, that part's cool. I support yeah. that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the basis of every good reality show is just. Oh, like, for sure. Like kids. As, <laughs> as a viewer, I'm very glad that they stay drunk all the time. Yeah. I'm just saying if I'm trying to get to know my future spouse better, it's maybe not the ideal way. Especially if you're like in your 30s because of that yeah it's like i mean i can't keep doing this like i just came back from a trip to portland oregon and uh i was a little bit hungover each day of the trip and i thought Mm -hmm. i don't know how much longer my body will just survive Uh, yeah and i'm not even that hungover and i'm thinking this is the end like this is the last days of my life (laughs) (laughs) i'm only 31 you know, yeah. like, what are they going to be doing? Dude? Some of them are like 32. That's another year of pain. <laughs> I know. I know. I got to I got to enjoy those years while I still yeah. can. Yeah. Mar- I say, yeah, though, I I started getting real bad hangovers during the pandemic. So it's because of which all, those, good. Uh, all those alcoholic smoothies you've been drinking. <laughs> those things are killer. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but it's it's actually been good because it's meant that I drank a lot less during the pandemic than I oh, yeah. assumed that I would because I got tired of being hung over all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I'm very much happy that I was just drinking a lot less and I was, yeah. I was just drinking a lot more water than, I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's see, back to the, uh, episode, um, Mitch and Gail are on the beach walking and talking about, uh, everything and she wants Hobie to come live with them because she thinks Ken will be a good influence on him and she doesn't want to do it but she is willing to go to court if she has to so and that made me excited because I love court and I can't wait for him to be back on the show well uh two things one don't worry he will be uh cool season uh cool two um there's a lot that happens in the middle there so <laughs> they're gonna get married Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail and Ken and Acapulco and she wants Hobie to come for the wedding because the wedding is this weekend yes. and Mitch says well he wants to go to a party uh, but you know he already told Gail about it so it's like mm-hmm. Gail will figure it out but then Mitch gets ca- very catty and she mm-hmm. calls him out on it and he again he owns up to it he's being a little bit passive aggressive but then um she says Ken could be a good good. Yeah, she says Ken could be a good influence on Hobie, and teach him so much. And Mitch said, mm-hmm. "You mean buy him so much?" And then yes. he gets a hard zoom, the very <laughs> hard zoom on their face. Oh yeah, that that makes you think this is 
meant for a better show mm-hmm. than Baywatch. And Mitch says, you want him to live with you, don't you? Mm-hmm. She says yes. And then Mitch, in his best Tommy Wiseau impression, says, forget it. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. Like, I I like you. Everyone who listens to more than one episode of this podcast knows that I am a David Hasselhoff apologist. Like, I absolutely I like David Hasselhoff. Did you say I'm sorry? No, I said absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> um, Mitch, I, I like David Hasselhoff as an actor, but this moment was hard to defend. It was so bad. And, but then she says she'll go to court if she has to. So it's really just Mitch is being an absolute dick and can't get over his feelings for Gail. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep Hobie. And it's like, dude, just calm the fuck down. It's, it's another moment of we're seeing Mitch Buchanan break down. Yeah. But in our next scene, on an up note, Ken has real <laughs> Patrick Warburton energy. Oh, he totally does. Yeah. Um, I I didn't cat, like place it at the time, but you're totally right. Yep. Um, he is doing some close-up magic for Hobie, and Hobie kind of really likes Ken. And honestly, as the viewer, I kind of do too. He yep. seems like a nice dude. I got no complaints with him, but Mitch is pissed Mm. um, and doesn't want to watch Ken do magic. Um, So then they leave. Um, But then we cut to Summer and her mom. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. We need to offer some detail here. Oh, sure. Ken says he's going to put the Hobester in a plane tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Maybe don't because he wants Hobie to fly. So don't. (laughs) That's Mitch's nickname for him. And then three, they do a secret handshake. And it turns out Mitch and Hobie's secret handshake. And that's that's very important. Mitch is pissed. Ken taught Hobie his college secret handshake. So Hobie wanted to show Ken. And then uh, that's what happens. But Mitch is just like, why would you show him our secret handshake? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he starts losing it and starts shouting at Hobie. And then... Mitch tells him, no, I want you to go. Please go on the plane, go to the wedding. And he realizes he's been taking it out on his son. Yeah. And so, again, we're seeing the deconstruction of one Mitch Buchanan. Mm-hmm. I, I would be more into the deconstruction if it, like, lasted from episode to episode. Oh, yeah, I would, too. <laughs> um... But as it is, it just, I don't know. There's only so many times I can watch Mitch go through the same emotional journey before well, I'm like, what if you didn't? Well, that's, I mean, pretty realistic. Um, yeah, that's uh, true. I guess we're not looking for realism on television. It's, you know, we're not looking for the naturalistic Baywatch. We're working for the surrealist Baywatch, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, after this, uh, we see Summer and her mom biking to the old restaurant, um, and we learn that it took all of Summer's mom's money for the first and last, but luckily, restaurants famously are immediately profitable, (laughs) so she's gonna make it back, and it definitely doesn't usually take upwards of two years for a restaurant to turn any sort of profit. Um, 90s. mm Mm-hmm. Um... But then they they talk about the name a little bit and Summer suggests Summer Place um, and her mom is like, that's stupid. But you know, it would be good. Jackie's Summer Place. 
Um, and then they're they're happy together. It's weird because she says, Jackie says, this place will force you out of a job because nobody will be at the beach and I'll be eating at my restaurant. And wow, capitalism is rough. Mm-hmm. But let's see. After that, we get to see Hobie packing for his weekend away at the wedding when Mitch comes in to ask him how he's feeling about Gail getting remarried. And Hobie's basically like, yeah, I mean, you know, she's got to get remarried at some point. Um... And he seems like a good guy. And Mitch is like, yeah, but I still love her. And that makes me sad. Um, and then the ups- the scene just kind of ends. Yeah. And then we see that Hobie is very excited to be on a private plane and meets the pilot. Now, the and, pilot, he, mm-hmm. he, asked the, he asked the pilot, um, what did you fly? Are you like, you're the pilot? And she says, yeah, I flew... 14 years in the Air Force, and I flew C-130s and F-16s, just about everything. Those mm-hmm. are two very different planes. Um, the C-130 is a transport aircraft, and the F-16 sure. is a fighter jet. I don't feel like normally you have people just be like, yeah, I just fly everything. Um, I, just, I, I, I don't, I don't like, know. I don't feel like that's how the... I'll ask Andrew. I'll ask yeah. Andrew. He might know. But I feel like... Flying a transport jet, which is just like, hey, you need to keep this steady and just take it from point A to point B, is very different from tactical maneuvers and shooting and bombing. Sure, but I do feel like if you, like, again, I'm not a pilot, I've never flown a plane, but I do feel like if you can fly a fighter jet, you can probably fly like... If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) The Morgan Thrap (laughs) School of Flying. (laughs) I'm just saying, in terms of difficulty, flying a plane that's mostly on autopilot in a straight line seems a lot easier than a fighter jet. Um, Oh, yeah. And if you can do a fighter jet, you can probably do a transport plane. I mean, we don't know the order in which, but you know what? True. True. How about this? We'll ask Mm -hmm. Andrew and then I'll forget and then maybe I'll remember (laughs) and add it to show notes. Cool. Here we go. Sounds good to me. Um, oh, oh um, mm-hmm. may, may I do the next scene? Oh, please. So Mitch, in our next scene, Mitch is punching a bag. Yes. Uh, and Stephanie is, comes in and wearing the most 90s outfit possible. Uh, yes. Which, by the way, Alexander Paul, I feel like she looked a bit different this season. Maybe it's like She did a little bit. I don't know totally what it is. It might be the bangs. Yeah. Just something different. It's with her hair. But anyway, yeah. she tells Mitch to save some of the bag, the rest of them. And Mitch's mm-hmm. eyes are bugging out while he hits the bag. But I did want to do some Baywatch theater here. Um, Ooh. So I would like you to be Mitch. Okay. I'll be Gail. Uh, okay. Gail. I'll be uh, Stephanie. Stephanie. Um, uh, you start, and I'm every other line. Okay. You'll, you'll, this, this will make sense. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, take it easy. Say some of that bag for the rest of us. Looks like it didn't go so well with Gail, huh? Oh, oh, I wouldn't say that. Gail is marrying a millionaire who's flying her to Mexico in his private jet. She's suing me for custody, and Hobie taught Ken our secret handshake. Didn't go so well? I'd say the whole thing is a complete disaster. I'll I'll hold the bag for you. Thank you. Ken, huh? Our secret handshake. 
and seen. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's very funny. Very that well. He does say handshake. Um, yeah. It's just, this whole scene is just, this is the David Asselhoff I love. This overacting. I love Oh, this. big time. It's so good. And he's, again, his eyes are bugging out the whole time. Yeah. Um, and in our next scene, we also have some great acting. Uh, <laughs> Summer and Matt are on the beach. God. She asks, what happened to Matt since he looks... Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, I completely fucked up this note in my notes. It says, she asks, <laughs> what happened to Matt since he looks so energy? <laughs> he looks so low energy. And yeah. he says, I slept at CJ. And mm-hmm. Summer immediately goes, you slept with CJ? And he says... At CJ and Stephanie's. And then Summer says this line. Uh, well, so he says, I couldn't sleep. And then uh, Summer says, Yeah. This line. Could you please read this line, Morgan? Well, why couldn't you sleep? What? Was CJ running around in some skimpy little nighty? I, I really hated this exchange. It felt so shitty. It was very weird and came out of nowhere. And I was like, We have no evidence yeah. that she is catty towards CJ ever. Yeah. Uh, or that anyone is catty towards CJ. Everybody likes CJ. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, uh, and especially because the last we've seen is that Summer is into Slade. Like, she, why does she care what Matt's doing? Yeah. I, well, also in the same scene, uh, she's like, you're my best friend. Uh, yeah. Because she says, uh, you can't leave Baywatch because you're my best friend. And I'll miss, miss you way too much. So mm-hmm. either either she's like, Doing the friend zone, or every single woman in this episode is trying to secretly flirt with every man in this episode. And yeah. I feel like it's possibly that, and I hate that. I really hope that that doesn't end up being the like prevailing theme of this season. What is the ever- everybody fucking? Uh, well, I don't mind that. I just mean mind the like um, everybody doing like weird, unreciprocated flirting. See, because um, that's going to get boring. The thing fast. you need to know about Morgan Trap is that Morgan is <laughs> not about the chase. It's, Morgan that Trapp is extremely he, true. He hates the chase. So he's not about yes. flirting. I it is true. Like, let's, <laughs> he's just like, let's get to the fucking. <laughs> uh, this is a great. I time. mean, this started as a joke, but you're actually entirely right. <laughs> I, this is, I think, the perfect time to bring up uh, your mother. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> in that, um, uh, we have a new event in the escalating blood feud I have mm-hmm. with Morgan's mom. Yes. In that um, last we talked about this, she had sent me a potato. Um, yes. And this potato had said, Baywatch Rookie School, the feud continues. Mm-hmm. Now, I decided I got to do something back. So I bought her a cardboard cutout of John Travolta's face from Greece. Yes. Sent that to her. Um now the, this cutout, by the way, almost as large as my mother. <laughs> it's very big. I didn't like I, I purchased it and then I realized hey, this could be pretty big. Uh, <laughs> I had the chance to get I was like, I could get the full cardboard cutout. But that seems like too much to fit inside your house. So yes. maybe just the face. But the face is also gigantic. It's also much funnier to just receive a very large cardboard head of John Travolta in Greece. 
<laughs> I didn't tell anyone. Morgan was like, what are you kidding? I'm like, I'm not telling you. It'll just show up. And it just shows up at your mom's place. Oh yeah, I, I get two texts in succession from my mother. I just received a notification that there's a package that's too large to fit in our mailbox and I need to go down to the leasing office. Oh, and what? then like five minutes later, I get a picture of her holding the cutout. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, um, I mean, oh, I hate her. Ah. Um, and then uh, the other day I get in the mail a package and I'm like, I didn't order anything from Zazzle. Um and I opened up this this package, and it's a deck of cards. I'm like, I definitely did not order a deck of cards. Uh, and I just put it aside, and I, mm-hmm. I text Morgan, and I say, did your mom buy me a deck of cards? And he says, huh, I don't know. Let me ask. And then we just <laughs> silence. And then uh, later that night, I go, oh, Morgan, this is definitely from your mom, because I take a look <laughs> at the cards and everything about them is a normal set of cards, except for the front cover or the the back of the cards is a picture of the gum of the the seafood stew that I think was disgusting <laughs> that Morgan posted that I put in the show notes for an episode, <laughs> which is honestly wow uh, genius, but also yeah. aggravating, uh, <laughs> like just the most evil thing you could ever possibly do is buy Truly. a deck of cards with that. So now I have to think of what's next. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have some I have some ideas. I had an idea that didn't go well uh, in terms of I tried to see if I could do it um, and it didn't work. I'll tell you what it, I'll tell you a little bit of what it was. Uh, All right. It's going to be uh, Shrike Karchowski related. Um, if you remember Shrike Karchowski. Oh, man, I do. That's been a fucking minute. Yeah, uh, I was talking about it the other day with Andrew, so... Uh, that's why I thought of it. But instead, I'm going to do something else, and we'll have to figure it out. But this time, unfortunately, your mom may have to go down to the leasing office again. Um, All right. Because, uh, look, you go big or you go home. And I'm already home, so I got to go big. <laughs> 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 yeah? Uh, so, apologies to your uh to your mom actually no what no no apologies to your mom apologies to the leasing office uh, <laughs> for having to deal with the stuff that i'm about to send so all right I'm about well, to figure out what this i still have to i still have to look into it i am i am extremely excited to see um, what is going to be next uh th- the real question is is like how far can i go to the point where it's like uh, you know or it's like why would you waste your money on this? Like, I, I'm already at that point, but, like, really, why would you waste your money on this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I am excited to see what is the next step in this feud. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also excited to see what the next and final step in this episode is, because we're in the last sequence of this uh, part one. Which is that Mitch is giving out tower assignments when Hobie calls him from the plane. And they're chatting a little bit, but then, uh uh-oh, there's a scary noise and the plane starts shaking. Turns out one of the engines shut down. So they're going to have to turn around to the airport and maybe make an emergency landing. 
and Hobie is real scared, and Mitch is yelling at him, which doesn't seem helpful. And then the other engine shuts down, so then they have to dump the fuel. Um, which, uh, we I check with Andrew, um, that's not needed at all. Um, yeah. Why would you dump the fuel? Uh, there's literally no reason for that. Uh, just keep the fuel. See, my assumption was that if you didn't have the fuel weighting you down, you wouldn't fall as quickly, maybe. But I'm We're also fall. not a pilot. Right, sure. But you maybe have, like, slightly more control. I don't know. I, I absolutely trust Andrew on this. I was just... That's why it didn't immediately strike me as being, like, why would you do that? Um, but, yeah, um, it looks like they won't even be able to make it back to the airport. They're going to have to land on the water so Baywatch will have to rescue them and then they're about to hit the water or do hit the water and at that moment the phone goes to static even though I, I'm pretty sure it would have gone to static a lot earlier mm-hmm. because they would have been under the altitude at which they'd be able to like communicate with towers mm-hmm. um, on the in phone or in the in plane phone but I, I don't know for sure it just I'm thinking about, like, how Wi-Fi in planes only works above 10,000 feet. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's got to be similar for phones on there. Unless they're, like, radio or satellite phones, I guess, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that's the end of the episode. It's it's two, it's 1993, so I can't imagine that it's really going to be that complex. It's probably pretty simple. Of, you have yeah. to be about this. You have to communicate with the tower. You have to be about this, you know, certain feet and... Anyway, yeah. um, before we get into our our season four new rating system, let's talk Ooh. about some, some INDB readings. Uh, sure. There was a two out of ten that was uh, written in 2009, which, wow, you were watching this back then? Wow. <laughs> I didn't know this show came out then. Um, and uh, they apparently, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but apparently they had accidentally viewed Kicks. From last season, the kickboxing sure. episode, and then accidentally also caught this one. And uh, okay, very weird. Uh, yeah, uh, they didn't like it. Now, Sand yeah. Crab two seven seven. Um, both the Sand Crabs rate this one. Sand Crab two seven seven gives it a two out of ten and says, "Here it is: the chance to get rid of the loud mouth, stupid kid." And the <laughs> I disagree here. Ugly ex-wife, and wow what happens. I know, right? Mitch to the rescue, of course. It's one of those episodes that makes you want to chuck your guts. The writers miss the mark yet again. A little wow. bit venomous, right? And then yeah. Sandcrab seven two two. Um Well actually, sorry, Sandcrab two seven seven titled it Wow the Perfect Episode. Sandcrab seven two two gives it a one out of ten and said, Awesome Wendy Malik, not enough to save this ep. Um, and then he says, and this is the greatest first sentence ever. Matt's a whiny stoat. <laughs> um, huh. and says, Dubuque too, when Flash Gordon flies into town. Cool motorbike. Irksome one episode kid. Jackie, still wacky. But the poetry, ooh la la. Don't bother, read a book. Um, fair Uh, now it's time for us to drum roll please 
that's not a drum roll. Well, I, well <laughs> insert like a st- future Morgan. Insert a stock drum roll sound here, please. All and right. Here. Okay, drum roll over. You, you can you can pad time. I'm sorry that <laughs> whatever you get. You know how editing works. You're the editor. I I do. <laughs> uh, our new season for rain scale is on a scale of one to ten, Morgan, with a one mm-hmm. being uh, a one is going through puberty a second time because you got recast, and a ten <laughs> is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad is David Hasselhoff. I already fucked that up. Ten is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad is David Hasselhoff and he's the coolest. Morgan, yeah, how would you rate this episode? Yeah, um, I will say. This is, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is definitely one of the first part of a two-parter episodes that shows the most promise. Mm. And I think it's going to be crucial to see how they executed in part two <laughs> to see uh, whether or not this fucking sucks. I like um, the way you, the language you use. <laughs> it's going to be crucial. I'm like, wow, look at the businessman over here. Doing his business. I, I just got to, you know, I got to keep my OKRs up at the business factor. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be I'm going to be cautiously optimistic here. I'm going to say it's a new season. They're they're feeling refreshed. Their cocaine budget has been, you know, reset. <laughs> and so they're they're feeling good. And and part two is going to execute on everything they set up here in part one. And so I think I am going to give this one. I'm going to give this one a six point five because I'm between a six and a seven and I can't really pick. Um, So I'm just going to split the difference and call it a six point five. And I'm going to say that a six point five is the experience of. your ex-wife shows up with a hot new millionaire on her arm and, you know, you're ready to be all mad at him. But like, God damn it, he's really good at close up magic. And so you can't help but respect him quite a bit. And also your son loves him. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a six point five. How about you, Michael? I was like, are you going to ask me? Um, <laughs> give me one sec. Cause I need to figure out what I even want my reign to be based off of. Sure. Uh, because uh, I, I oddly I forgot that in this show we say what our rating is the experience. <laughs> uh, I just you know we took one week of a break. And yeah, I already forgot how this show works. All right, so I'm gonna rate this episode a seven out of ten. I think okay. it kept my interest. You know, it wasn't yeah. bad. Uh, it was a bit better than average, and I, I'm curious to see what happens next. And you know, you're right. It's a new season. It feels like they're a little bit more refreshed. Uh, it's just a little bit more exciting. Um, I, I I can't tell you why, but it, early early episodes of Baywatch seasons now feel like a little bit different than later episodes of Baywatch seasons. I think they just have a little bit more of a um, yeah less serious. They're serious episodes, but they're like less serious in terms of how serious they're taking themselves. So, yes, um, definitely. And I like that. Um, and I think that a seven is uh, a tweet I'm going to send you. Uh, okay. Here, which I may have already actually sent you. 
and it's this tweet that says, uh, Rise of Skywalker has one perfect moment, and it's right after they show the first gay kiss in Star Wars for two seconds, they immediately cut to this frowning slug monster for twice as long. <laughs> uh, which is amazing. And then, uh, but the 7 out of 10 is actually the comment below it, which says, all acts of queer love should immediately be followed by a slug monster reaction. And I feel like that's a good 7 out of 10 on the scale, you know? I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Now, Morgan, uh, important lore update. Ooh. Uh, I, I li- well, on the way back from Portland, I listened or mo- listened to most of the Flophouse episode on the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh, yes. And uh, did you ever listen to the episode on it? Yes, I've listened to every single episode of the Flophouse. I'm a bit behind. Well, I'm I'm very behind right now, uh, just because I'm like I don't have time for podcasts except for my own yeah. podcast, a podcast for two men um, who have never watched Baywatch before. We'll have to think of new season four bits, but that one is staying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen the Sonic Two trailer yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I it, I, it uh, yeah. No, in a good way because I'm excited. I mean, it does mean that finally my reign of um, not seeing Sonic will come to an end, because I do want to see the second one, and I'm not going to watch the second one without watching the first one. Why do you want to watch the second one? Because Idris Elba's Knuckles. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the only reason? You're going to break a tradition? That's the main reason. Oh, come on. No, it is. uh, He's going to have to to figure out. There's going to be a TV show version of Knuckles, too. You don't have to see the movie. Just watch that TV show. I could. I could. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, like, look, don't let me tell you not to do something for your own. (laughs) However, I think you should not do this for your own. Uh, Or you could see it. Here's the fun part. I've been listening to it. They praised the the bar fight scene. Um, Oh, that's funny. um, They do mention (laughs) it has a lot of the X-Men Quicksilver kind of stuff where it's like the Mm -hmm. things stop and then Sonic pushes things. Um, it's been a little while, so I forgot the part where Sonic pushes a bullet out of the way. Wow. Uh, oh, Sonic's the coolest. Um, I mean, that's the point. He's so cool. He's so funny. So now let's talk about the next episode. Race Against Time, part two. The Baywatch wiki description says, Hobie and his mother are trapped in the plane crash 40 feet below the surface while Mitch and the Baywatch lifeguards mount a massive rescue effort to save the trapped passengers and crew. Ooh, IMDb. All right. IMDb says, Mitch and the Bay... Oh, this is long. Holy shit. Mitch and the <laughs> Baywatch lifeguards team up with the Coast Guard to rescue Hobie, Gale, and Ken from the submerged plane before the air pressure gives out. Um, Hobie tries to comfort Ken while Gale is... What the fuck? Hobie tries to comfort Ken while Gale is pinned under steel beams. Uh, what the fuck? Did, I mean, fuck it, we spoil every episode, so I'm going to keep reading this. When Ken yeah. shows his true colors by cowering in fear, Hobie, when he should be saving oxygen for himself, tries to help his unconscious mother without Ken's help. Elsewhere... Matt decides to move in with Stephanie and CJ for a while after his domineering and self-serving father decides to financially cut him off after he refuses to move to France with him. Stephanie tries to explain to Mr. Brody that Matt isn't the bad seed, as he puts out, but just a neglected and spoiled rich boy who 
who just wants attention. <laughs> but the arrogant Mr. Brody refuses to listen and tells them that Matt will give them a hard time as he did with him. Also, <laughs> the Baywatch team helps Jackie and Summer. Wow, how are they doing all these things? Shape yeah. up their new beachfront restaurant for a grand opening. Hobie, Gail, and Ken are finally rescued, but Hobie's confidence is in Ken is destroyed when Ken reverts back to his cocky, self-assured personality and then lies, claiming himself to be the hero. But Hobie decides not to tell his mother about the person Ken really is and goes back to repair his shaky relationship with his father. Wow. That sounds like a lot. Um, yeah. I honestly sounds like they maybe did think of a part two for yeah. for this, which honestly, shocking, surprising. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Yeah. And the last thing I do want to say is uh, thank you for continuing to stay with us through season four. I mean, we really yeah. enjoy doing this podcast. Uh, if Truly. you can tell, uh, we are actually going to do all of Baywatch. Like we're we're invested at this point. Uh it's it's not gonna end unless one of us dies. And, mm-hmm. Which And don't worry, we do have a plan of succession with a multi-layered chain of command, just yeah. in case one of us dies. If if Morgan dies, his mom takes over. If I die, <laughs> like a, a amorphous blob takes over. <laughs> um but uh, for season four, we have a lot of great guests coming on. We have a lot of, a lot of new guests coming on. Uh, it's just going to be exciting, especially since this is apparently the peak season of Baywatch in terms of viewership. So this. Oh, interesting. Uh, as far as I understand, this is the season where, you know, a billion people a week were basically watching this show. Damn. Um, which shatters all Nielsen ratings. Yeah. And so. It's going to be exciting to talk about the most viewed season with a bunch of people we enjoy and maybe some Absolutely. people we don't enjoy, like Morgan's <laughs> mom. <laughs> Wink. We'll see. I don't know. We haven't actually played. Yeah, we haven't actually asked her yet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what a weird way for her to find out. Oh, boy. Right? <laughs> um, but in the spirit of everything Michael has just said, I want to say... Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. And, uh, and queer slugs. <laughs> it's me. I was the queer slug all along. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs>